You can find the Vintage Vaults podcast, along with a number of other excellent retro-themed podcasts, at the Throwback Network at throwbacknetwork.net. Hello, and welcome to episode 5 of the Vintage Volts podcast. You may find this episode is a little bit out of order with the multi-part episode 4. That's because episode 4 is turning into quite a production, Uh, but still, I hope you're enjoying it. Meanwhile, I still have things I like to talk about, and having to insert episode 5 midstream allows me to do that. Remember when amateurs with homemade radio sets used to sit up until all hours of the night talking with other radio hams around the world? Pioneering with elements capable of girdling the globe, boys like these held in their hands a weapon that was someday to play an important part in the defense of our land. So, episode five, titled... Upgrading a Lost Art Now, in today's world of instant and rapid communications, the amateur radio service, otherwise known as ham radio, is losing its appeal amongst the latest generation of people. A member of that generation might even go so far as to wonder why people who are licensed ham radio operators would even continue to bother with the service. I first got my ham radio license in 1987, and believe me, I would be lying if I didn't think about the possible downfall of ham radio from time to time. But recent accomplishments during the 4th of July weekend of 2014 were sort of a watershed moment for me, at least as it concerns my history as an amateur radio license holder. In ham radio, people progress through levels of proficiency via specialized testing. An upgrade to the next step in class requires the operator to achieve 74% or better in a test comprised of 35 questions, dealing with rules, procedures, and technical proficiency. The highest class of license uses a 50-question test. HAMs who pass the upgrade test are granted additional operating privileges like additional authorized frequencies, various modes of operation like CW or Morse code, voice privileges, and data privileges, and additional power levels for transmitting up to 1500 watts in many cases. Now compare that to the kind of transmitting power to the half-watt public FRS walkie-talkie radios, or even the 4-watt CB radio limits, for those who remember what CB is. When I got my license, there were five license classes. Along with the written testing requirements for each class, there was also the requirement 
to understand and decipher Morse code or CW transmissions at an increasingly higher speed indicated by words per minute. Now here's a quick breakdown of the license classes by name and by CW speed requirements. First, there was novice, which have very limited privileges and require five words per minute code deciphering. The next step is technician, which in my opinion is the first useful but somewhat limited license class that requires another test but still maintains the five words per minute. Then there's general, where a whole bunch of new operating privileges are granted upon the user, but it does require yet another t written test and 13 words per minute proficiency. Next step is advanced. Adds a few more frequencies to general, still maintains the 13 words per minute. And then finally there's extra, which is the top step that adds more frequencies to advanced, but requires 20 words per minute. Now the highest license that any, that any ham operator can earn is extra, which grants all privileges and uses as defined in the FCC Part 97 rules, which govern the amateur radio service. As you can see, there was quite a lot of testing to be done to earn that class, the extra class. There were five written tests total and three code speed tests. And once you passed a code speed test, you didn't need to take that speed test again for the next license level if the words per minute requirement didn't go up, like in the novice to technician transition and general to advanced. You only had to take a new written test for those. I started out with a novice license like everybody else back in those days. But I did not have a lot of money for equipment, nor space to run large antennas to make use of the limited frequencies I was privileged to use. There was a more common frequency band called 2 meter, which was reserved for use by technician class or higher. And I was interested in that 2 meter band. So less than two months later, I tested for technician and passed it with flying colors. Mostly because I was already a two-way radio operator in the Army and I had technical skills to pass that test. Once I earned my technician license, my progression through the ranks of the hobby stagnated for me. This was partly because I was able to buy a compact radio that can do two meters rather cheaply. It was used to use the popular two meter band and that's all I felt I really needed. And it stagnated partly because I somehow had trouble deciphering Morse code at the required 13 words per minute for the next level. It was just troublesome for me. Now think of the two meter band as the quote CB radio band of the hobby. It's extremely popular and versatile for uh, home, mobile, and vehicle communications. However, more power can be used than in CB radio, and you can reach many more people in any given area. Also, to really take advantage of the operating privileges granted to the higher classes, you would need relatively expensive equipment and plenty of backyard space to string up the required antennas. And I just wasn't in a position to be able to do that. For my entire ham career, there was always something that prevented me from making the most of the hobby. Primarily, it was space and money. 
I cannot afford additional equipment to make use of extended privileges, and I did not have a suitable area to set up antennas. What I did do to put my license to use was buy a mobile two-way radio, which is about the size of a CB radio, and install it in my car. With this setup, I could talk to other ham radio operators during my commute to and from work. My commutes have averaged about 30 minutes each way for the most of my working career, which was plenty of time to do a little rag chewing, which is the ham term for talking. And that was perfectly fine for me for over 25 years. During that time, during those 25 years, in the early 1990s, the FCC dropped the code speed requirements for the technician license class. Now, while opinions differ on the reasons, most believe that it was done to promote participation in the amateur radio service. Personally, I'll agree that the Morse code requirement seemed a bit antiquated, but it was also hard for some people who are unable to comprehend or distinguish the patterns associated with Morse code. And that may have been the relative thinking by FCC when they made the rule, or when they changed the rules. The technician class then became the no-code tech class in the vernacular, and those with technician license and having passed the five words per minute Morse code tests, like me, were designated tech plus. The difference between the two pertains to the authorized operating frequencies. No-code tech could not use any of the frequencies and modes on frequencies below 30 megahertz. Those frequency bands are referred to as HF bands, or high-frequency bands, uh, otherwise known as shortwave in layman's terms, and are typically used to communicate around the world using big antennas in the backyard. No-code tech operators were allowed to use the popular 2-meter band, and because of that, I witnessed a growing number of operators shortly after the FCC change. My dad was even compelled to get his license and get him into the hobby. He now has a better rig in his car than I have in mine, and he actively uses it. I also remember the detractors to that change, the FCC change. These would usually be those hams who have been extra or some other higher class for a while and felt others should, have, should still have to go through the same testing rigors they went through to get started in a hobby. I was actually neutral on the idea, but I welcomed it because it helped increase popularity in the hobby and provided more people to talk to. Even in the early 1990s, I dreamed of earning my extra class license someday, but it was a back burner task because I still needed the proper equipment and space to take advantage of the privileges. In 2002, I acquired an older but suitable HF radio. A fellow ham saw a Kenwood TS520 radio sitting in a trash pile at his neighbor's house and saved it from a horrible demise. He tried getting it to run. It powered up, didn't make any sparks or anything, luckily for him, and it seemed to work, but he could not pick up any signals. Since he already had much better equipment for himself to do the same thing the TS520 could do, he gave it to me. And you'll find some people like that in the ham 
community. It's, it's amazing what people will do for you to help you in this hobby. Now, after a little bit of research, I discovered a wire jumper was missing on that TS520, and after I replaced it, I was able to receive all sorts of signals after connecting a long wire antenna to it. Now I have what I need to take advantage of the higher class privileges. But I couldn't really use it because almost all the frequency bands the radio worked on were out of my Tech Plus operating privileges. That is, except for one band called 10 meters and is in the range of 28 to 28.5 MHz. That is not a very large space of frequencies. It's also one of the noisiest and troublesome bands. I could use it, but only when the atmospheric conditions were just right, and most likely at nighttime when they get that way. So in a sense, I was prevented from using it. Now I could also use many of the other HF bands but only in CW, communicating via, via Morse code. It's a usable mode of operation, but one that I wasn't particularly fond of using. I did test the transmitter part of this five, TS520 eventually on a frequency that was authorized to use, and verified that it does transmit. But still, I had to pass a 13 words per minute code test to be able to upgrade my license to the next class, General. I had no doubts that I could pass the written test for any of the higher operating classes with the required study, but I still had trouble deciphering the higher code speeds. Now also note that in 1999, the FCC deprecated Novice, Tech Plus, and Advanced License classes. This left the following operating classes. You had Technician with no code requirement, General still with the 13 words per minute requirement, and extra with, I believe, 20 words per minute requirement. I don't know if or don't think that they lowered it to 13. Now, the technician class was still no-code class, as I mentioned, and was restricted to frequencies above 30 megahertz. Now, there's, you know, now there's no tech plus. This put me in a relatively special position. I was Tech Plus with HF operating privileges, but since I was retitled Technician, I technically didn't have those privileges. I found out, or otherwise understood later, that I was grandfathered into those HF privileges. I could use them, but it would have been a bit troublesome for me to verify all of it if another ham questioned my certification. Eventually, the TS520 got mothballed, so to speak, until I finally bought a house. A house with a small yard, unfortunately, and was able to settle down with this hobby. I set the radio up to listen to ham radio activity called QSOs, or QSOs, as the background chatter in my workshop. In 2007, the FCC made a ruling that code requirements were eliminated for license testing of all classes. Now I was able to work on getting my license upgrade, but I didn't do so right away. I f still felt the need to be able to use and configure the required equipment to operate in the privileged frequency bands. It just wasn't a priority in my life at the time. Set the clock forward several years to the July 4th weekend, 2013, at the W3UU Firecracker Ham Fest. 
where I finally attempted to take my test to earn my general class license. About two months before that, a coworker developed an interest in ham radio. I told him what it involved to get a license. The catalyst for him was the ability to buy a functional two-meter handheld radio that had just arrived on the market for only $40 instead of the average $200 for a more professional model. It's the entry cost that kind of shy people away from this hobby. I encouraged him to study for his technician license, and I figured at that time I'll provide some peer support and study for my general license. You know, we could test together. Well, we both passed our tests. He was a new ham and started taking advantage of what the hobby has to offer. And me, I did a little with my new operating privileges, although I was glad to have my general class finally. Um, I still regularly use the privileges that were available to me while I had my technician license. I figured I could go camping some weekend and rig up a nice antenna uh, with which to talk to others and take advantage of my general class license that way. However, <laughs> once again, the running theme here, it was still not a priority to do so. Several months before the 2014 Firecracker Ham Fest, the next year, uh, my co-worker had an interest in going for his general license. I considered it a good reason for me to go for my extra license. I was going to be there at the Ham Fest anyway, shopping with all the tailgaters and the flea market stuff. Meanwhile, my son studied for his technician license to get started in the hobby. Unfortunately, my son missed by two questions, but there are absolutely no restrictions preventing him from trying again. They don't block you if you fail. You just try again later and hopefully study again or study more. My coworker passed his general and I managed to pass my extra. Believe me, the extra class license is the one in which you'll study the hardest. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it is quite challenging. After all, it is a pinnacle of the hobby. I guess it's designed to be earned. I like to think of it in this manner. With only three classes of licenses, I visualize the technician, general, and extra classes, equivalent to that of bachelor's, master's, and doctorate degrees. Each of them requires additional training and more technical proficiency. So with that in mind, let's go back to my thesis about the hobby being a lost art. In reality, it is a lost art in the sense that the technical aspects of the hobby are not as awe-inspiring as they once were. There are many more ways of communicating instantly to others these days. So why would I or anyone else ever consider getting an extra license at all? Even though there is a growing convergence of ham radio and the internet, ham radio on its own is looking like it may become a lost art. For me, it was a life goal to upgrade to the top level. There was more of a reason to upgrade as a personal achievement than to not do so at all. You know that guy that's got a ham radio in his basement? He can talk to China, Mongolia, and all the Koreas. And he eats Velveeta shells and cheese. So who are you calling amateur? Liquid gold. Eat like that guy you know. I now know that I'm not restricted in any way on all the allotted ham radio bands. 
I also don't need to take any more tests in the hobby. Yay. For me, it also refreshes the hobby. Because for the first time since before I earned my general license, and now that I had my extra, I set my TS520 on a table in the back patio, ran a long wire antenna from a mini antenna tuner that I also bought at the ham fest, and started to use that radio with conviction. Now, an antenna tuner is something that lets you um, match the operating characteristics of a, let's call it, less than perfect antenna to that of the radio itself. Because if your antenna isn't electrically matched to the frequency you are using, you risk damaging your radio's electronics as part of the transmitted signal energy actually reflects back into the radio. Until several days ago, I never owned an antenna tuner. But for the restricted antenna sizes that I can get away with in my backyard, it was absolutely necessary to own one. It was one of those items that can cost 100 to $200 brand new. But to find it in used condition, they're quickly sold out at Hamfest. Everybody wants one. I managed to snag a small one for $35. And now I'm ready to go again in this hobby. My equipment list appears to be complete enough for me to enjoy the extra and even the older general and technician class privileges. I'm ready to go. Now for the new ham, or one who might aspire to become one, I say go for it. There really is nothing to lose. Think of it as getting your driver's license. You earn your driver's license through specialized testing requirements, right? And it's yours for life. Just make sure you renew it as required. For ham radio, license renewal is every 10 years. And renewal is free, too. In many cases, the testing is free to the public. Just contact a local ham radio club for details. Some may charge a nominal amount, but you'll find more and more of them are doing it for free um, at regular events, ham radio events. As for upgrades to your technician license, think of the process of getting a general or extra um, as the same as getting a motorcycle certification or other special specialty driver's license upgrade. It may vary by state, but um, those are typically just added or additional proficiency tests, and you get to keep that certification for life, right? I've always wanted a ham radio set. And now that I've got one, I'm going to listen in on distress signals and notify the authorities and prevent disasters and noble things like that. Calling CQ. Calling CQ. Uh, uh, come in, please. Now, if you want to start off cheap in the hobby, you know, one of the biggest things that kept people from getting to the hobby was the initial cost of equipment. It wasn't uncommon to lay out 200 or more dollars just to have the right equipment. Um, these days, you can earn your technician license and start off with a radio like the Baofeng UV-5R. That's, that's spelled B-A-O-F-E-N-G. And the model number is UV-5R. It's a tiny handheld radio, like a walkie-talkie, that works on the popular 2-meter band, and it's only about 40 bucks. 
but you do need that ham radio license to use it. Granted, it's one of those, quote, you get what you pay for items in the sense that it is a no-frills device. Programming them with your local ham radio repeater frequencies is a bit cumbersome, but there are plenty of online and, and even ham radio club resources to help you through that. And once you figure it out, you get used to it. It becomes easier. Now, there are more professional models made by companies like Yezu, Icom, Elenco, etc., that have starting prices between $150 and $200. Um, you can spend that if you want to. Uh, th their devices are typically more user-friendly, um, and they're professionally built. Um, but if you're the, the least bit interested in pursuing the ham radio hobby, your total cost with radio could be less than $50, and you'll be able to be active on the most popular part of ham radio communications, that two-meter band. Then if you find the hobby to be less than what you're expecting, you're not out a lot of money. But if you're really getting into it, then you know it's okay to invest in the more expensive equipment. So, come to think about it, maybe ham radio isn't a lost art after all. Maybe it's only struggling to find a new focus. Driven by the market, new technologies, and a new generation of people. Thank you for listening. Seven Threes.